0: tonight Um, so first of all it's really exciting to see like the building every week little by little um, grow and get bigger and, and more and more like just you know one day it's nothing and then it's there's wood on the floor and then there's wood upright and then we come back the next week and there's plaster on the wood that's upright and then we come back another week, and there's paint on the plaster that's on the wood that's upright. And it's just so cool seeing it, like, grow and grow and grow, little by little, week by week, uh, precept upon precept, glory upon glory. Uh, and that's almost like what God does in our lives, too. Sometimes it's not like an all-in-one ship, bam He just bomb blesses us, but sometimes it's just that little by little, God's working on our character, working on our life, working on our unsaved family, little by little. Is that annoying anyone, this in my face? That's okay with you? If it's okay with me, it's okay with you. Yeah. Um, alrighty, why don't we get into it tonight, and we're going to jump into, going to turn the brightness down, because I feel like I'm looking at the Holy Grail. Um, it is the scriptures, though. So... Says this. Um, we're going to recap last week, but I'll just read the scripture here. Um, it's found in the book of Matthew. Let's do a little throwback Young Zeal special right here. The book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 9 to 13. 10 points for enthusiasm. <laughs> we tried to, as you, many of you know already, we, we like to like teach our young people and our youth ministry that the Bible isn't something, it's something to be excited about. And so we're, we're getting that going. Can't wait. So it says in Matthew chapter 9, this is the same scripture I read last week. It's the calling of Matthew, one of the main disciples, one of the first disciples that Jesus called, recruited in his mission. And it says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the booth. Uh, It was a tax collector's booth, not a kissing booth. Uh, Follow me, he told him. (laughs) Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner, someone say amen for dinner. At Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came up and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, "Um, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? On hearing this, Jesus says, listen, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Um, What a crazy, crazy story about the calling of Matthew. So the title is the same as last week. The descriptions of a disciple. We we looked at the fact that we want to see if we're going to commit our lives to be followers of Jesus commit our whole life, not just an hour or a time slot in a week end, but our entire lives to Jesus, we want to make sure that we're knowing what we're committing to. Um, Jesus said it like this. No one plan builds builds a house without first calculating the cost. Otherwise you won't be able to finish and he'll be foolish. It's the same with calculating the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, And we together uh, have made that decision that we're going to follow Jesus. And so we're looking at the descriptions of a disciple. A quick recap, um, a couple of things was the first thing that disciples do is they desire God's direction. There's a, They desire Jesus and, and that desire for Jesus determines our destination, the direction that we choose, every path that we want to make it's decided because our desire for Jesus. See it's okay to like um, a, a nice peaceful home, it's okay to like a good stable job with a good income, it's okay to like having um, something to fall back on. It's okay to have good friends and all of this sort of stuff, all of that stuff is fine. It's okay to desire it, want it, chase after it, all that stuff is fine, but our heart, our desire, our one fixed focus needs to be on Jesus above all of that. So, when Jesus decides all of a sudden He wants to move you, maybe away from a bad relationship, but you kind of like it, then then our desire is going to shift from that thing to Jesus, and our destination is going to change. There, our the decisions we make will change because our desire for God comes first. We want to desire God's way in everything. In every area, we desire God's direction. The next thing was, is we know as disciples, man, we want to invite people in. We want them to come in and join the party as well. So Matthew, he's having dinner, and all of a sudden his buddies show up. He opens the door. He sees his old life there. He sees his new life here. And he doesn't reject the people he once hung out with. He doesn't reject the dirty sinners and his old Pharisee, um, pals. He doesn't push them away and said, get out of here. Uh, I'm not hanging with this. He's, they, he knows that there's something better on the inside. There's someone great on the inside. So he invites them in. He doesn't turn them away. And so as disciples, our entire life is going to be a big invitation to Jesus. It can't just be limited to a post on social media. It can't just be a one-time event. Hey, come to church this Easter. No, it's got to be our entire lives, like everything about us, not just church, but to Jesus. So disciples invite others in. And the next thing was disciples serve with a smile. Disciples, they, they see the need. They understand that as the body of Christ, as the people of God, um, that we've come to be servants first. Um, and the fact that Jesus came, the Son of God, the one who created all things, came to earth as a servant. Yeah. How much more do we then lay our lives down That's willingly? That's the smile part. Willingly, the fact that we get to serve God, serve the kingdom and serve the people of God yeah. with a good attitude. Yeah. Um, saw that at, at such a big scale just over the last few weeks with this place. You know, people coming and serving, doing um Not the funnest job. Shout out Ethan, scrubbing walls, sanding walls, um, and he did it with a good attitude, man. He did it with a with a great heart. And you know what? It wasn't about anything. And this young man, you, you, you want to be in ministry. You want to like follow Jesus. You want to do something great for God. And you are doing great for God. But don't think great for God means standing on a stage somewhere. Uh, great for God doesn't mean standing on a platform. Sometimes great for God means mopping the floor, stacking the chair, um, sand in the wall. Um, it, it starts in that place. And we've got to be people who care more about our purpose Than our platform, Mm -hmm. and so we want to serve God with a smile, and then we move on, moving on to today's tonight's message, the uh, continued version. So, you ready? Yeah. That was a quick recap. Who remembered that? Yep. Every hand should go up. (laughs) (laughs) You never ask that in youth ministry. So, guys, what did we learn last week? (laughs) Never ask that. (laughs) You'll just walk out and go and have a cigarette. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, everyone. Don't smoke. So it says this, okay, the next one, the next thing that disciples do is they cast their cares on Jesus. Disciples cast their cares on Jesus. So it says they, um, uh, what happens is the Pharisees, right? So well, we all know who they are. They show up and they begin to criticize the disciples. They don't criticize Jesus, the man they're actually annoyed at. They criticize the people around Jesus. Has anyone ever been criticized? Um, by someone like for someone else on behalf of someone else almost like they're your friend or your relation or something and now you're getting criticized for something they're doing you're like hey i don't know what's going on talk to them but that's what happened with the disciples right here they come rolling in be like disciples who why is your rabbi interacting with these sorts of people that's not what they normally do and then jesus comes along and it's interesting because i can feel like the tension in the air in the room right they're they asking the disciples why is jesus hanging out with those people over there give us some answers and i can imagine them thinking you know, like you don't know how to answer. You're like, oh, that's a great question. We're wondering the same thing. Like, uh, what, don't know how to answer. And they're questioning and they're cowering and they're questioning and they're cowering. And then Jesus then cuts in to bring clarity to that conversation. And he comes in and he says, listen, I'll tell you while I'm hanging out with these people. I've come because it's not you guys. You pious Pharisees who think you've got it all together. You've got your lists and your checklists and you've got it all worked out. I haven't come for you know-it-alls. I've come for those who know they're broken, know they've got issues, know they're messed up, know that they need help because the, the, the doctor comes for the sick, not the healthy. And so Jesus comes in and he breaks down the conversation and he says, you know what? He takes the pressure off the disciples. They're feeling anxious over here, like questions, questions. What, you know, what's going on? The anxiety is building and Jesus comes and takes the questions, takes the anxiety off and upon himself. And it reminded me of that scripture in first Peter, you know, the one where he says, um, uh, Peter writes, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you so often we think about um i I think in pictures i don't know about you um but when i read the scripture i remember the time david you were there we went um fishing took oscar fishing for the first time father-son moment it was bonding um i think we both got heat stroke and i ended up wanting to leave because i don't like fishing special (laughs) special moment um But in the fishing world right you you've got the line you've got three elements you've got the 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 fishing rod you've got the bait the prawny little prawn and then you've got the fish that's what you want to catch that's what you're going for and what you do is you put the prawn on the hook you cast it out and so i think of that picture cast your anxieties upon him and in my mind i'm thinking the way you cast a fishing rod you you, that sort of energy, you are taking it from here and you are throwing it onto Jesus. And it's the same, the disciples, maybe they thought the same thing. Half of them were fishermen. All day, every day before they met Jesus, they're casting their nets out into the water. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is, is that when you cast something, your whole goal is to catch something. You don't just cast something for nothing, just, yep, there you go, here's a prawn. No, your, your goal is to take home the prize, take home a bounty, bring back something from the ocean. And so I, I look at this idea of casting our anxieties upon Him, believing that Jesus is good enough, strong enough, able enough to receive something back to us. There's nothing that we give to Him that doesn't return back to us. So I want to be the type of Christian, the type of disciple that loads up my hook, my my, my anxieties, and casts it onto Jesus and catch some peace back maybe. I want to cast my bondage to Jesus and catch back peace. I want to cast back my addiction and pull back freedom. I want to cast out pain and receive back healing. I want to be the type of Christian that knows that I can cast my cares on Him. To cast my anxieties on Him. Yet Jesus, He always fills what we spill. Anything we let go, Benny preached an awesome word on that on Pentecost Sunday, filled to be spilled. We empty ourselves. Um, I didn't share this in the other services, but I feel like going there. Um, the, The story of the demoniac man. He, he gets freed. God radically um, heals him from demons and, and kicks them out of him. I'm trying to think of the right words. Deliver. Delivers him. Thank you. He delivers them. And then what he says is, you know, he's got to go and do something then. There's this idea that he says um, if he stays empty, because we're a vessel, right? And so if he stays empty, it's just going to come back seven times stronger. And that's why he sent the Holy Spirit. And that's why anytime you do a ministry you're praying for people, yeah, you want to cast that sickness out, but then you want to fill with the Holy Spirit. We want to say, let healing flow in this body. Let something come, because God wow. fills what we empty out. And when we give him our pain, we're going to receive back something good. So we care, we cast our cares on Jesus. Yeah. All right, next thing is this, is that um, what happens here? Ah, uh, this one's a really great one. The next thing disciples do is the fact that uh, uh, our inconveniences... Don't affect our allegiance to Jesus. Yeah. You know, things might be inconvenient to us, but they—they they don't affect our allegiance to Jesus. I think about Matthew, right? We we learnt last week how he's gonna—he's got a profitable path ahead of him. He could be having a really great life right now. He could really go on to do some awesome things and and to get wealthy and have a great life a good life get a nice wife kids settle down dog pick a fence the whole works that would be really comfortable life he's got ahead of him and then here comes Jesus and he decides you know what I'm desiring that direction I'm going to follow Jesus now he leaves it all behind now all of a sudden the inconveniences of following Jesus don't affect his allegiance and of all people Matthew he goes from having such a great like great life ahead of him you know like great by the world's standards and just the standard status quo standards it's a great life but then jesus comes along and jesus doesn't offer that sort of stuff jesus says things like i'm the son of man and i've got nowhere to lay down tonight i can't even afford and a airbnb he's saying you know what uh, that's not convenient it's not comfortable but we've got to be the type of disciples that say my uh, inconveniences don't affect what i'm committed to yeah. Kids. Who's got kids here? you got kids, front row, couple kids. Um, we've got kids, as you know, babe. Uh, <laughs> all too well. Um, kids are... And parents, you say amen. Kids are an inconvenience. Are they not? Elena, do you sometimes just not want to pick them up from school? <laughs> sometimes you're like... Two I've got a nice cup of tea, the house is quiet, whatever, I don't want to pick them up. It's so inconvenient. Kids are so... Sarah's laughing, I'm not working, okay. Kids are inconvenient, man. In fact, just last night, right, um, and little kids are even more inconvenient, Um t- So my kids are so inconvenient sometimes. (laughs) No, but last night, okay, so our our siblings, they were having a movie marathon last night. Jurassic Park. One, two, three. Bang, bang, bang. First one's the best.
1: We're watching, they're
0: they're saying, let's watch Jurassic Park, all three. And we're like, cool. That's going to be sweet. That's going to be amazing. Going to see some T-Rexes. Bite down some people. It's going to be great. Can't wait. And then I'm planning it all in my head. Yeah, I'm going to have some of Nathan's chili. You know, and then I'm going to make some of my food. It's going to be great. It's going to be comfortable, going in my pyjamas, and movie, aircon with the blanket, turn the aircon up, put more blankets on, <laughs> you know how to roll. And, uh, and then I realised, and I remembered, oh, kids. <laughs> kids. I can't take Oscar, the five-year-old, to go and watch the Jurassic Park chomp on someone's head. If I did, I'd be a terrible parent. <laughs> kids love Oscar. Yeah, kid, he does like dinosaurs, but maybe... <laughs> anyway, and I thought to myself, you know what? It would be so easy, it'd be so nice, we had a massive work and be, two days straight we were here, morning till night, some of us, and it was just, it'd be perfect, exactly what I wanted to do. But my commitment wasn't to watching um, Jurassic Park, my commitment was to the kids. Because that's my allegiance was there, and just because it was inconvenient and not so fun in that moment, I didn't waver and just say, "Oscar, you got Jasper? We're going out. We're going to go watch it." <laughs> we didn't bring them with us and say, "Hey, Oscar, look at this." You know what I mean? We didn't do that because our commitment, our allegiance, was to the to our kids. And when it comes to our faith in Jesus, would we be the sort of disciples that say, "You know what? It's not convenient right now to be a Christian, but my my allegiance isn't too convenient my allegiance is to Christ. I want to be the Christian that says, even if Christ goes the hard way, the long way, the slow way, the difficult way, I'm going to follow him over comfortability, over easy, over everyone liking me all the time, over having a full fat wallet all the time. If Jesus is going this way, that's the way I'm going because my inconvenience doesn't affect my allegiance to Jesus. I want to have a faith that's worth something. I want to have a faith that is worth something but if it hasn't cost you anything then it probably isn't worth anything if I have it you haven't paid a price now we don't pay the ultimate price like Jesus did our salvation is covered but when we follow Jesus it's a life of inconvenience sometimes sometimes it is convenient right to hang out with the right people and you get the cool groups and you know sometimes it's good When the world's going crazy and everyone's looking for hope, then it's good because you've got it. And everyone wants to be your friend because you're so happy, so joyful. You're not bothered by the storm. You're okay. But when it's inconvenient, would we stay in that place because of our allegiance to Jesus? Disciples, um, our allegiance, have an allegiance, that word to Jesus. Amen. (laughs) The next thing disciples are, I've got a couple here. Uh, Maybe I'll get Grace back up here. That'd be cool. Um, The next thing is this, is that disciples, they place a priority on prayer. Prayer is a priority for the disciples. Um, Prayer is that intimacy with God. It's that conversation, that intimate moment with God. And the way we get to God, the way we relate with God is through intimacy and not through intellect. Our relationship with God stems from that place of being intimate with Him. But we've got to make prayer, talking to God... A priority. It's got to be part of our life. Can you imagine if I um, went home, Benny and I went home and we got in the car and I didn't talk to her at all from the moment we left this building and then until we came back here next Sunday. We get home, I say nothing, brush my teeth, go to bed, wake up, do everything, go Monday, Don't say a word, go Tuesday. We bump in past each other. Maybe some grunts, maybe it's not. Maybe that's a little bit more usual, just some hey. Don't say a word, Tuesday, Wednesday goes by, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, nothing. We're there, we're in each other's presence all the time. But no words are exchanged. Oh, but then Sunday comes. Get out of that car, hey babe, how you going? Had a good week, it was a great week. Hey, I love you so much, you're amazing. You know, thank you for doing the, you know, the taking care of the kids on that day. That was amazing. I was so appreciative of you. That was, you know, you're such a blessing to me. And I mean, that's nice, but it's, does that really count? It's just that one time, that one day. But when it comes to us and our relationship with God, sometimes, me included, sometimes me included, we don't make prayer a priority. Because God's there all the time, all day with you. In the good times, the bad, in the car, at work, he's with you. And sometimes we can go days and days and days without making it a priority to even just talk to him. Hey, Jesus, thank you for being with me today. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And that's a crazy term, a crazy idea, because it's like, how do we pray without ceasing? Hey, can I order a coffee in Jesus' name? Thank you, God, for that flat wire. I would love the Holy Spirit to bless it with some extra hazelnut syrup And Jesus. Here's some money gifted by my Lord. And we can't pray without ceasing. Can I give you a practical tip that I heard someone say once about that around that scripture? Before and after you do anything, just pray before you make that phone call jesus i just pray you give me the strength on this phone call hey bro how's it going yep coffee club yep sounds good we'll see you there thank you god that you're on, you're going to be on in this conversation oh, i'm going to get dressed thank you god for these clothes thank you god for this day thank you. and you just you just talk to god before and after every task pray without ceasing and i think that's something that we can get into we we got to be the type of christians that ha, okay have you ever prayed a prayer uh, you prayed a prayer And then it happened. And then you're like, whoa, I I should do this more often. (laughs) Anyone else ever done that? I'm so guilty of doing that all the time. Um, And here's the thing, right? We pray. I'm not saying we don't pray. Everyone in here prays as a last resort. (laughs) When you've tried everything else, then you pray. Hey, me too. In fact, Benny and I, she's so Christian, man. Compared to compared to her, I'm an atheist. That's how much of a Jesus follower she is. Um, but so many times, I'll be like stressing. Just say it's like something that needs to be paid, or it's um, you know something that's going wrong somewhere. Whatever it is, I'll be stressing. Just go with money because that's the easiest one I can think of. I'm like, this is bill. We're gonna be paid. It's a struggle. Uh, and then I'll think, okay, i you know, get some extra shifts, find some extra work. Maybe I can do some hustling over here. We could sell that on Gumtree. You don't need that, do you, Jasper? That high chair, cot, cramp bed. You don't need that. Let's get that out here. Oscar, you, don't, you sleep on the floor tonight. And, and then, you know, oh, maybe we could, you know, take some money from here and try this over there. And then Benny all the time, she's like, why don't you just pray? And then she prays, God, we thank you for this amount in Jesus' name. We thank you. You're our provider. You, you take care of our family. Where, where you lead us, you're going to provide for us. Um, amen. And then it happens. And then it happens. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I should have done that. Instead of all the stressing, instead of all the pacing, instead of all the crying and the selling on Gumtree and eBay and having to do, pay for shipping and then driving the thing to the place to get the desk and the thing. Instead of doing all of that just to get some peace. Because that's what I'm after, right? It's just peace. When, when it's like a financial thing, you want the money to pay for the thing so you can have peace. But sometimes God would just over-skip that part and just give you the peace because that's what you really want in the whole... Anyway, and so okay. I, I want to be the type of Christian that when we're, we're, we're praying to God as a first response, not as a last resort. Yeah. Yeah. You see, sometimes this is what I do and we do it all the time. we will be on the edge of a cliff like, Okay, I'm about to fall off a cliff. Jesus, tells, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Help me. And we grab and we're like, pray in this moment. But I wonder, what would it be like if we didn't pray when we're off the cliff? But what if we just prayed, back here. (laughs) Jesus, you're stepping, you're going before me. Jesus, you make my path straight. Jesus, you are the rock beneath my feet. Jesus, you're upon me and behind me and through me and in me. God, I'm not going to wait till I'm about to die before I call out for help. I want to pray before I even step out of bed today, knowing that my prayers to God, that's a priority in my life. Yeah. It's a priority. Who Jesus is, what he does, that's who he is. We want to have that intimate relationship with God where we don't wait for things to blow up and go wrong, but we follow him yeah. first. Prayer is our priority. And the, and the second last thing, and these two are quick here. The next thing is this, is that disciples, their love isn't limited. Disciples have a love that isn't limited. See, Jesus, he's having dinner at Matthew's house and the tax collectors and the sinners come. And these are the guys that everyone hated, right? No one loved these guys. Everyone hated these guys. The tax collectors and the sinners. Isn't that funny how they say they put them in those categories? Imagine if we did that at church. Hey, welcome to church. Yeah, nice to meet you. Oh, have you been to church before? No. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, you're so glad you're here. Come on in. Yeah, I'll find you a seat. Yeah, this is where all the sinners sit over here. Sinners right on the front row. Yeah, come on in. That's good. Sinners over here. I'm glad we don't do that. Um, But... Jesus is it, it, that. There's this happening. They're sitting around the table, and there's the tax collectors, the sinners, and and he invites them in. He he chooses to have dinner with the most hated people in the society of that time, yeah. and I think he decides to have dinner with the most hated people to show them how to love, to show them that his love has no limits, that there's no one too far, too messed up too broken to receive his love he's making a point here to say i'm going to hang out with the most unlovable because my love isn't limited and i wonder if as disciples we would do something like that as well that as disciples we our love our love wouldn't be limited That our love wouldn't be limited to the people that look like us, sound like us, hang out with us, like us. Because that's what sometimes we do. Our love is limited to our immediate family members, our immediate circle, and maybe like the next group of friends that we like, but not them. You know, our love is limited to those people. But I want to be the type of Christian, the disciple. I want to be the type of church where our love isn't limited. That our love goes beyond the people that just look like us, sound like us, do church the same way as us, Um, you know, have the same sort of hobbies and interaction. I want to have a limitless love, the same that Jesus had, because that's what he had for us. On the cross, his love unlimited out to all people. You were so messed up, so broken, and yet his love and his grace reached past all limits. The Pharisees had limits. You had to be this and that and perfect. And that was his father. And remember the Pharisee and he's praying and he looks across at the sinner and says, thank you, God, I'm not like that guy. His limit was no, that guy was not within his limits. But let's be people, let's be disciples that have no limits on our love. Not to try and find loopholes. Well, I would love them, but they do this. And so therefore I probably shouldn't because, uh, no, Jesus said, love your enemies. If they slap you, turn them the other cheek. If they take your coat, give them your jumper too. If they take your left Nike, give them your right Nike. Give them your other pair. Give them everything. This is the uh, modern day translation. Love isn't limited. Uh, and the last one is this. And this is the one that ties everything together. If you take a notes you'll notice all of the points actually are an accurate acronym for disciple. D, desire, God's direction, I, I. What was I? Someone tell me. This is a quiz. <laughs> invite people in. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Thank you, sir. Um, invite others in. C. Um, d- a- S. Serve with a smile. C. Cast your cares. P. 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 I. I. Inconvenience doesn't affect allegiance. P. Prayer is a priority. I remember it more and more as I recently said it. Uh, L. Love isn't limited. And E. E. Is. Disciples have an expectation for eternity. They've got an expectation for what's to come. An expectation that Jesus is coming again. And this is the one that ties it all together. This makes it so easy to do the loving and to do the caring and to casting our cares on Jesus and to be following him and even when it's difficult. When we have an expectation of eternity, it makes everything easy. You see, it's easy to cast your cares on Jesus when you know one day you're gonna live forever in a place where there are no cares, there is no crying, there is no pain and no more death. It's easy to give up everything when you know one day you're gonna receive a reward and spend time with Jesus forever. It's easy to love the unlovable when you know that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. I'm looking forward. We've got to have that expectation to know that one day we're going to step outside and we're going to look up to the sky and we're going to see Jesus split in the sky with thousands upon thousands of angels screaming to to earth to collect his disciples together and take them to eternity when we have that picture in mind, knowing that, you know what, I can get through today because of that day. I can get through this year, 2020, because of that forever. I can get through this time because of that time. When we've got our eyes fixed on Him, coming again, He's coming soon. Yes. Yeah. I don't have any tattoos. I have nothing wrong with tattoos. If you've got a tattoo, that's great. Fine. Jesus loves you. That's amazing. I love you. Everyone loves you. But if I was going to get a tattoo, I've always said the tattoo I would get was somewhere on my hand, just the word, Soon. S-O-O-N. And that would remind me that whatever I put my hand to, is that helping me for when Jesus is coming soon? Is that helping me for that day when Je- when because Jesus is coming soon? Is this what I'm putting my hand to today? Is this going to help me on that day? Am I building God's kingdom? Am I trying to live a life that's going to be worthy of that moment? Am I building a legacy that's going to be... Uh, Good in that moment. Jesus is coming again soon. So that gives everything else a perspective. Is this a temporary thing I'm doing today? Is this just a nothing thing? Am I just doing it just because I'm doing it? Or is this somehow going to invest into my eternity? Everything I put my hand to, I want it to have the uh, expectation. Does it have eternal value? Does it have eternal value? And that doesn't have to mean you're just in church all day. That could just mean loving people. Caring for people. Inviting others in. Letting your love have no limits. Desiring God's direction. Serving God with a that's, it, it. It's all about that moment. I love this scripture here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything. Yeah. Yeah. If this is going to keep you back from running your race, throw it off. Yeah. Keep uh, Throws off everything. That hinders and the sin that easily entangles and let's run with perseverance and make the race marked out for us. There is something coming. A better life. A better world. Let's not put all our, uh, hedge all our bets on just this one life. Let's invest it. In the same way we invest our tithes, right? That 10%. And we invest it into the kingdom of God. Let's invest this 1% of our existence, of our time on earth, into the kingdom of heaven, into God and knowing that he's going to bless the rest, our eternity. Disciples live with the expectation of eternity.